What is up guys? It is Quinn here back with another set of rookie rankings. So I've already gone through my rankings and tier list for my uh, running backs following the NFL combine. Now we're going to be running through my top 12 wide receivers. Definitely did have some movement from the combine. You know, a few guys moving up, a few dudes moving down, really one player kind of taking a big plummet. I'm guessing some of you may be able to guess that, you know, before we even jump into the video. But as always, if you guys enjoy the content, do me a huge favor, hit that like button, subscribe to the channel. Like I said, going through the top 12 rookie wide receivers and then also splitting them up into uh, different tiers. So I think we have five tiers in this specific video. And let's honestly just jump right into it. And starting off at number one, my wide receiver one has not changed. It is still Jackson Smith and Jigba out of Ohio State. He is one of my two uh, tier one wide receivers and he is still locked in here. I was pretty firm on him, you know, a few weeks ago when I made my first video. Nothing has changed. He has the production that we like to see. You know, he's a dude that kept pace with an older Garrett Wilson and, you know, arguably outproduced Chris Olave. Now, you know, I think a lot of people come out and they say, oh, Jackson Smith, you know, like he blew those guys out of the water. Because when you look at the counting stats, you know what? He went for over, I think, 1,600 yards as a sophomore. But we have to remember, those were not all games where those three played together. So up on the screen, I have the uh, splits in the 10 games that those three players played together. So you can see him and Garrett Wilson pretty much neck and neck when it comes to receptions, receiving yards. Garrett Wilson just kind of blows him away in the touchdowns, 12 to 5. And then we look at Crystal Lave. I mean, Jackson Smith and Jigba had more receptions, more receiving yards. It's just the touchdown number, again, also for Olave. That's kind of the difference there. Olave at 12, uh, Jackson Smith at 5. But we just saw Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave go to the NFL, have a ton of success. Those dudes were both older than Jackson Smith and Jigba. And, you know, now he's stepping into the NFL. I just don't really see a spot where he's kind of going to fall on his face here. He has solid size, 6'1", 196. He shows up at the combine, doesn't run the 40, but just absolutely dominates the uh, three-cone drill and 20-yard shuttle. Like, great times there. I feel like his draft capital is locked into the first round. So we have the production. The athleticism is solid. Size is good. The draft capital is there. And I just think we're going to be able to get him at a discount because he had that injury riddled uh, junior season. Like if after that sophomore year, Jackson Smith and Jigba kind of pulled the Jamar Chase and was like, you know what? I showed everything I needed to show. I'm done. Just going to take this year off, continue to work. You know, like I think we would value him much higher, but because he dealt with some injuries his junior year, now we may be able to get him at a discount and you may be able to draft him as like the wide receiver two, wide receiver three, which I don't think, you know, we would have even been able to think about if he just kind of took this year off. Now, moving over to my wide receiver two, the uh, second and final guy in tier one, it's going to be Quinton Johnson out of TCU. I'm actually moving him up from my uh, first set of rookie rankings. I still think he's kind of a prospect with a uh, boomer bust profile, but I've kind of just come to the uh, conclusion that I think the upside here is worth it. He doesn't really have like the flashiest counting stats when you're going like year by year. But when you actually put his numbers in context with the TCU offense, I think he's actually more impressive statistically than you'd originally think. So you look at his freshman year, played in eight games, he caught 22 passes for 487 yards and two touchdowns. So if you look at that, you're thinking, 
you know, he was probably a solid wide receiver two, wide receiver three on that offense. In reality, he was TCU's leading wide receiver as a freshman. It's just that he was on a very low volume, you know, overall poor passing offense. So he comes in as a freshman. He's the wide receiver one. He maintains that role as a sophomore, plays eight games again, catches 33 passes for uh, 634 yards and then six touchdowns. And then once again, takes a really solid chunk of that offense, uh, 30% of the team's receiving yards in those games he played in. Don't know if I mentioned it, but as a freshman, he also had a solid chunk of the uh, receiving yards, 28.6% of the receiving yards in the games he played in. And then as a junior, this is where he had his best, you know, counting number season, played in 14 games, caught 60 passes for 1,069 receiving yards, and then six touchdowns. So he did have 29% of the team's receiving yards. And I would honestly say that, you know, you'd expect as a junior on the better offense that he would kind of take a huge leap and put together a crazy season. So I could understand, you know, being a little bit like underwhelmed here. Um, I think that's really the biggest red flag here compared to his freshman and sophomore seasons, where in reality, he was kind of just doing the best he could in a not great situation. We know he has the physical tools. It seems like he's a shoe-in to be a top two wide receiver off the board here, you know, between him or Jackson Smith and Jigba. So I'm willing to buy into the uh, upside here with Quinton Johnston. I know he has like, you know, some concerns on film, like body catching, not a super advanced route tree. I'm kind of just, you know, willing to buy into the upside here. And I do have him here as my uh, wide receiver too. Now at number three, I have Jordan Addison out of USC. He's going to be my one tier two wide receiver. I believe I had him as my wide receiver two before the combine. He was definitely one of the uh, biggest losers that we saw from the combine. He came in pretty light at five foot 11, 173 pounds. And you know, I think that size is honestly fine if you can back it up athletically. Unfortunately, he then proceeded to go out there and put up some pretty underwhelming, uh, you know, athleticism numbers at that size. He ran a 4.49.40, which isn't a terrible 40 in general, but at that size, not great. And then he was just average as a jumper for both the uh, vertical and the broad jump. But even with, you know, that not so great combine performance, I'm still not out on Jordan Addison. I actually think he may end up being a value when we're actually, you know, getting into our rookie drafts. I still think he's a very talented wide receiver. We know he's a great route runner and clearly he was able to produce without, you know, being a freaky athlete. And I do think his draft capital probably took a hit. Like he had a shot to, you know, potentially be the first wide receiver off the board. Maybe now he's the third, fourth wide receiver off the board. But I mean, that may end up being a blessing in disguise because if you end up, you know, going 10 through 15, you may not have the best landing spots. But now if he's getting pushed to the back end of the first round, that's when you can accidentally run into being picked by like the Bills or the Chargers, which would obviously, you know, just be huge for Addison. So I'm definitely still in on Jordan Addison, but I do think he has to be docked, uh, you know, for that combine performance and likely uh, falling draft capital. Now in uh, tier three, I have three different players and I do just want to say they're all very close together. So I'm not really super firm on any of these guys. You know, we'll still have to see what kind of happens throughout the rest of the off season. But coming in at number four, I have Zay Flowers out of Boston College. He's a guy who broke out as a sophomore and then just had really, really strong junior and senior seasons where he accounted for over 35% of his team's receiving yards. And then he had a uh, 27% target share or larger in his sophomore, junior, and senior seasons. He had a solid combine. He's not the biggest wide receiver, pretty small actually, five foot nine, 182. 
but he's definitely fast, ran a 4-4-2. And at this point, I think we're just kind of hoping he gets first-round draft capital, potentially sneaking into like the back end of the first. Hopefully he's still in play for like some of those teams that I mentioned, Chargers, Bills. Obviously, those would be ideal landing spots, you know, for these wide receivers. Now, what wide receiver five? I have Josh Downs out of North Carolina, another tier three guy. And he's another one of these wide receivers who is pretty undersized, five foot nine, uh, 171 pounds. I wouldn't really say he killed it at the combine, but it's not like, you know, he fell on his face or anything. Still like him here as the uh, wide receiver five. And I think at this point, looking at draft capital, he's probably somewhere in like the early second round. I think that's where I'd be looking at Josh Downs. He uh, is a guy who broke out as a sophomore with just a crazy season, really did nothing as a freshman, but then just burst onto the scene in 2021. 13 games, he caught 101 passes for 1,335 receiving yards and then eight touchdowns. As a sophomore, he had a 39% target share and 40% of the team's receiving yards. And then he followed it up again, uh, you know, on a worse offense with uh, no Sam Howell and, you know, still put up solid numbers in uh, 2022. And now to wrap up tier three, at number six, I have Jalen Hyatt out of Tennessee. He's an interesting guy here because he essentially did nothing up until his junior season, you know, was barely involved. Don't even think he broke 300 yards in his freshman or sophomore seasons. But once he broke out, I mean, he really went crazy and just absolutely balled out as a junior, played in 12 games, caught 67 passes for 1,267 receiving yards, and then 15 touchdowns. And this isn't a dude who's just going out there, you know, beating up on bad competition. This is a player who dropped a six for 207 and five touchdown stat line against Alabama. So he's out there going up against the best and just absolutely balling out. He also went for over 135 receiving yards four other times. So we know he has, you know, that big playability. There's some of the red flags here for Hyatt. Obviously, we have the fact that he didn't break out until his junior year. The other one is just his usage. You know, he could be a kind of one-dimensional player. They used him basically exclusively down the field, and it's possible he has those other skill sets. We just haven't seen it, but it's also possible, you know, that's where he's going to be locked into at the NFL level. So, you know, he could be a little one-dimensional. He's probably never going to be, you know, a target hog commanding, you know, an insane number of targets, but I think he could give you some monster games, especially if he gets put in the right offense. You put this man in the Gabriel Davis role, I promise you, he is going to absolutely feast. Now, moving over to uh, tier four, my wide receiver seven, this is where I have Marvin Mims out of Oklahoma. I think he's probably one of the biggest winners from the combine, especially at the uh, wide receiver position. Came in at five foot 11, 183, but he ran a super impressive 4.3840, also jumped well, and then had a, a strong three cone time. So just a very well-rounded combine performance. He was Oklahoma's leading receiver in all three of his seasons. He's not a guy who really ever had like a super dominant season in terms of counting stats. Like he didn't go out there put up one of those, you know, like 80 for 1,212 touchdowns. But being the wide receiver one for all three of his seasons on, you know, two really strong Oklahoma teams, obviously Oklahoma struggled this past year, but we look at 2020, 2021, I think both those teams went like nine and two or something like that. So those were very good offenses. Those were top offenses in the nation. And as a freshman, he was the wide receiver one on those teams. So someone who's probably going to be getting second round looks, definitely someone I think we have to be interested in at this point. At wide receiver eight, also in tier four, I have Xavier Hutchinson out of Iowa State. 
I really think the combine was pretty much what I expected. Nothing super notable. He's not a guy who's going to win by being a freak athlete. So, you know, his unimpressive times and jumps, not really something that swayed me here. The only problem is, you know, it may affect his uh, draft stock. He's a guy who had very solid production in his first two college seasons after uh, being a redshirt freshman. So in 2020, he caught 64 passes for 771 yards and four touchdowns. Then in 2021, eight for uh, 987 and five TDs. And then his uh, best season came this past year, which was actually on a very rough Iowa State offense. This is a team that had lost Brock Purdy. They lost uh, Brees Hall. And he goes for 107, uh, 1,171 receiving yards, and then six touchdowns. Did that while having a 34.1% target share with 37% of his team's receiving yards. I really think he's a player who can come in at the NFL level, can command a lot of volume, be a really strong guy in uh, PPR formats. The only issue I'm seeing at this point is I just don't know if the draft capital is going to be there. You really want to see him be a day two pick, you know, day one, uh, you know, first round out of the question. Day two would be ideal. If we start seeing him falling to round four, round five, at that point, we were just going to have to move him back because there are going to be a lot of other uh, day two wide receivers. But I hope he gets that capital. He's just not a guy who has a super you know, flashy athleticism, all of this stuff. So that may hurt him, but I still like him here, and hopefully he does get that draft capital. Now, sticking in tier four at number nine, I have Cedric Tillman out of Tennessee. He's a pretty interesting player to look at because he's coming off of his uh, fifth college season, and he is going to be 23 on draft night. So, you know, that's definitely not ideal there. If we're looking back at his, you know, kind of career at Tennessee, limited by injuries in 2022, which led to him only appearing in six games. I think a lot of that is the reason why Jalen Hyatt was able to have his huge breakout once, uh, you know, Cedric Tillman went down. His best year came in 2021, where he caught 64 passes for 1,081 receiving yards and then 12 touchdowns. I think what's notable about that 2021 season is that, like I talked about with Hyatt, uh, Hyatt wasn't really, you know, super involved on that team. So we had Tillman actually playing ahead of Hyatt, who then obviously goes on to have a monster junior season. At this point, I'm expecting him to be somewhere uh, in day two, so round two, round three, but we'll kind of see where he uh, ends up going. And then to wrap up tier four, this was probably the biggest faller from my first video. At number 10, or wide receiver 10, it's going to be Kayshawn Boutte out of LSU. Like I said, big faller from the combine. And we're just kind of at the point where I don't think we can keep just grasping at his early breakout. Obviously, he was a guy who had very impressive freshman and sophomore seasons. But really since then, I mean, everything has just been negative. He only ended up playing in six games in 2021 due to an ankle injury, but he was very impressive in those six games. So now coming into the 2022 season, you know, we're thinking he's wide receiver three, wide receiver two, maybe even wide receiver one in this class if you weren't a huge fan of uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba. Looking back on it, that ankle injury may be more severe, you know, than we initially thought because it just has not been great since then. Very underwhelming in 2022. 11 games, caught 48 passes for 538 yards and two touchdowns. He's had some off the field stuff, you know, with coaches. So, you know, we have all these things kind of piling up and you could kind of excuse those if he was able to go out, get solid draft capital, perform well at the combine. He comes in a little smaller than expected, five foot 11, 195, runs a four, five 40, which I guess is fine, not great but it's all right. And then he just jumps horribly. He was the worst wide receiver in the vertical and then the second worst in the broad jump. I honestly don't even know why his uh, you know, agent had him do this. It just seems like a big misstep. 
Um, you know, you think he could have avoided it somehow, but he kind of seemed like an early second round pick heading into the combine. Now I'm not even sure if he's going to be going day two. So definitely, you know, trending down here with Kayshawn Boutte. Now entering the final tier, tier five at number 11, this is where I have Rasheed Rice out of uh, SMU. Honestly, might've butchered that first name. He's a guy who had decent production through his first uh, three years. And then he really kind of broke through in 2022. 12 games, caught 96 passes for 1,355 receiving yards, and then 10 touchdowns. For me, the issue here with Rice is that he has that late breakout, but he's going up against pretty poor competition, you know, which isn't ideal because you've got a guy in his fourth college season now balling out against 18, 19 year old kids who aren't even, you know, the best 18 and 19 year olds in the country. It does seem like he's getting some day two hype, so that could kind of help him here. And, you know, maybe he does end up going late second, maybe even the third round. And then at 12 and 13, I know I said top 12. I just kind of wanted to give two different guys shout outs here. I've got A.T. Perry and then Tank Dell who are going to wrap up um, this tier. And I mean, these dudes are two completely different wide receivers. A.T. Perry, 6'3 and a half, 198. This is a big dude. And then we have compared to Tank Dell, who's 5'8, 165. So, you know, pretty tiny. And I think if I'm being honest with myself, like A.T. Perry is definitely the better option here. I just think he has a much clearer role kind of transitioning into the NFL. But for Tank Dell, I kind of just thought I had to give him a shout. His athletic testing was kind of underwhelming for how small he was. But if you just watch this dude in college, he was just an electric player. I'm just not sure if that's going to be able to translate to the NFL. Like maybe he's a guy who can break off a few big plays throughout the season. But, you know, does that actually translate to fantasy production in your lineup We'll see. You know, I'm wondering what kind of draft capital he'll get. I'm guessing Perry will go somewhere third, fourth round. Maybe he sneaks into the second. But uh, that is going to wrap it up for this one. If you guys did enjoy, hit that like button, subscribe to the channel. Going to continue putting out rookie content. Going to be talking about some free agents, giving free agency updates, all of that stuff. So thank you all for stopping by, and I will see you in the next one.